we're going to go ahead and jump in today. So we've been in this series called, we've been in this series called um, Christmas at the Movies. And uh, we've been doing, I'm going to swallow a piece of that. It's snow in a minute and cough. Um, We've been at Christmas at the movies. So first week we talked about uh, how the Grinch stole Christmas and uh, how some of us are spiritual Grinches and it doesn't always have anything to do with us, but how Jesus can heal us from the inside out and, uh, and bring us closer to him this Christmas. We talked about the Grinch. Last week was the weirdest movie of all Christmas traditions, in my opinion, uh, the Polar Express. Anybody agree with me on that? Yep, yep, yep. You guys are bold enough. The rest of you, you just don't want to be judged and that's okay. Uh, but it was great as we talked about what does it look like, you know, um, to, to, to believe again and have faith in God. And, and what does that mean? And today, uh, you may have been able to pick up from it, uh, uh, pick up on it from the characters in the lobby. Anybody want to give me a guess on what today's movie is? Elf. Elf. That's right. The greatest Christmas movie ever made. And if you disagree with that, that's fine. You can be wrong. It doesn't matter. Uh, Elf. I love the movie Elf. I like that movie for so many reasons. I'm a comedy guy. Uh, I like com- comedic movies anyway. But I love how bold Elf is and how he just lives his life, you know. And, and, and so if you haven't seen the movie, let me try to summarize it as quickly as I can, as well as I can. So you have Elf, and he's not an elf, but he was born in the North Pole, and he's a normal human. And so he's not the same height as elves, and he's not, you know, doesn't operate the same and all this stuff. And he figures that out, and so he leaves the North Pole to go and find his family. And a serious a series of antics begin to take place that are hilarious as he tries to get acclimated to life in the United States and outside of the North Pole. And things are taking place that are just awkward and weird to him, but he's living his life the way that he knows and everybody else thinks it's weird. Here's a little lesson for you. Uh, he was a product of the environment he was raised in. Uh, so he grew up thinking he was an elf, so he operated that way. Can I tell you that everybody in this room today is also a product of their environment? Everybody in this room today is also a product of the way you were raised, of the things you've been through, of the teachings you've taught yourself or read or been through, like the training, all that stuff. We're all products of the environment that we've been raised in throughout life. And sometimes we have to look and go, is that product the way God wants that product to be? Is it good? Is it the way it's supposed to be? And if it's not, then we have to change our environment. We have to change our teaching in order to get the right product. Are you with me? And so you may have walked in here today and everything from the way we see ourselves, the security or insecurity we have, the way we see God, the way we appreciate church, the way we approach our marriage, the way we approach our kids, all that stuff is a product of the environment. And what we want to do is learn how to be that with God, how God can move in our lives and, and teach us how it's supposed to be on his end. And so as Elf goes through, he eats things that are weird, right? He eats spaghetti with candy, syrup, and Pop-Tarts on top. And one of the great things is, is like there's a restaurant in downtown Columbia <coughs> that, uh, excuse me, that um, they served that, and my niece ate it. She got it, she ate it, and she said it was the best thing she's ever eaten. <laughs> my brother tasted it, and he said the only thing wrong with it were chocolate Pop-Tarts, and those are nasty anyway. So I was like, no, there's nothing about spaghetti, syrup, and candy that makes it sound great at all. But when you, you know, he was just doing what he knew. He was just being who he was. And there's so many quotable lines in the movie, right? If you've watched the movie a couple times, like you, you, they just have these quotables that just grab you and it's just funny to say. And like, you smell like beef and cheese, right? 
You, you got things like that. You, you got so many things. And there's a, a, a scene in the movie where Santa is showing up to take pictures with kids. And as he walks in the room, Elf catches his, his attention. He sees him off in the distance, right? And anybody know what he says? Come on, you can say it. We're at church. Santa! What's he say after that? I know him. That's the title of our message today. I know him because he is so proud to know Santa. He wants everybody to know it. He's like, Santa, I know him. I know him. He, he, he has been impactful in my life, and I can't help believe, but believe that's what God wants us to say. Jesus, I know him. He's impacted my life. He's changed me. I'll never be the same again. I owe everything in my life to him. But how many of you know there's a difference in knowing someone and knowing about someone? Right? So here at Radiate, we're blessed. We have hundreds of people that come to this, this campus and, and, and uh, so many that come to the Florence campus and so many that call us home that come when they can and so many online and it's amazing and it's incredible. And the truth is I know about most of you. But have you know it's impossible for me to know hundreds of people? If you ever run into me in the grocery store and I've talked to you 20 times and I ask you what your name is, please don't be offended. I literally have about 800 plus people to remember, and you have one of me. <laughs> Give me some grace. But there's a difference in knowing about, right? Are you with me? In knowing someone. I can know about people all day long, but I don't know the details of people's lives. I know my friends. I know my family. I don't just know about them, but I know them. Why? I do life with them. I know what my, what my wife likes. I know what my wife enjoys. I know her favorite candy. I know her movies. I know all these things. I know that if she grabs the Roku remote, we're probably going to watch a, a home makeover show. I know it. I know in this season, if my wife grabs the remote, it's going to be home makeover or Hallmark Christmas movies. And the whole time when it begins, I tell her exactly what's going to happen. Right? Come on now. And I'm like, you know this is what's going to happen? She's like, yes, but it's so sweet. I'm like, you saw it 17 times with the exact same actors in a different town. <laughs> Come on, y'all know that's true. <laughs> I know that stuff about her, right? She knows my quirks. She knows that there's certain things that nobody else cares about that drives me nuts, right? It's just how I'm wired. It's just who I am. Why do we know that about each other? Because we spend time with together. We spend time with each other. We, 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 we have impacted each other's lives so deeply we want to know each other. Here's what I believe God wants for us. He doesn't want you to just know about Jesus. He doesn't want you to just know about God. He doesn't want you to just know about church. He doesn't want you to just know about each other. He wants you to know him, like intimately know him, like get into a relationship and know what he likes and what he doesn't like, know how he operates and how he doesn't. See, I can take up for my friends on account of their character because I know who they are. When somebody says something against their character, I can say, no, you don't know this part of them because you don't know them like that. Let me tell you. And I can look at people that want to go against God and go, no, 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 you don't know God like I know God then. Let me tell you about his character. Come on. Let me tell you about who he is and his love and his grace and his mercy. And the truth is, is the closer we draw to God, the more he wants to work in and through us. 
Here's what I want to encourage you with today. No matter, I say this all the time, but no matter where you are, who you are, what you've been through, or what you've done in your life, God wants to use you to do great things. Your purpose on this earth is not just to sit in a chair every week or go to work every day and just have a few kids and make it through life and pay taxes and die and you go to eternity. No, God's purpose is to be with us on a journey called a relationship with him that makes us better and he uses us. God wants to use you today. God wants to use you starting today for the rest of your life to make a difference in this world. And chances are, most of you sitting in here today would go, yeah, I want to be used for more than I've been used for. I want to do more than I've ever done before. I want to make more of a difference than I've ever made. I want God to use me. But watch this, before God ever does anything through us, he does it in us. He works in us first. And God wants to work in us so that he can work through us. And I think there's a point where whenever we have a real relationship with Jesus, we start living our lives going, Jesus, I know him. I know him. I can recognize him when I walk in a room. And I can recognize him in worship. And I know him. And I think that's where God wants us to go today. And that's where I want us to go today as we look at Luke chapter 1 and verses 26 through 36. There's so much meat in the story. So we're picking up, and we really have been walking the past few weeks um, using the, the, the uh, movies as illustrations. We've been walking through the Christmas story, and we've looked at how God ended. How many years of silence? If you've been here, you know. How many years? 400 years of silence, right? Called the intertestamental period. And he broke 400 years of silence by talking to Zechariah and Elizabeth, and he told them, you're going to have a son in your old age, and his name is going to be John. John means grace of God. There you go. Very good. John means grace of God. And he said, I'm going to break the 400 years of silence. We're going to, you're going to have a son. And it mirrors the Old Testament story in Genesis of Abram and Sarah. And, and, and they're going to have a son. Now where we're picking up is the angel Gabriel has moved from Zechariah and Elizabeth. And he's going to meet with another teenage little girl who's a virgin who's engaged to be married. Her name is Mary. That's right. And so that's where we're going to pick up today, and we're going to pick up the Christmas story right there. Verse 26 through 36, it says this, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. Now if you're sent somewhere, that means somebody told you to go. Are you right? So you got to understand, the angel Gabriel didn't just show up and go, all right, this house looks good. He was told, this is where you need to go. Put this in your GPS, follow the turns, and get there. Verse 27. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Go ahead, underline, highlight that portion right there, because it is important to some things we're going to talk about in just a minute. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Verse 29. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering, what kind of salutation is this? Verse 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, how how can this be since I am a virgin? 
And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth. So this is what angel Gabriel's doing. You ever told somebody something, and you go, watch this, I'll prove it. And you reference something else that's happened in order to prove the validity of what you're saying? The angel Gabriel is doing that right here. He's going, even Elizabeth is pregnant. Watch this. He said, and behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. And let's read verse 37. Because this is the summation of the entire Christmas story in one verse. Verse 37 says, for nothing will be impossible with God. If you get nothing else today, I want you to hear that verse. There is nothing in your life that is impossible with God. I understand you may be facing impossible circumstances. I understand it may feel like a mountain in front of you. I understand that what you're praying feels like it'll never take place. I understand that you don't know if it's possible for this to happen. But I need you to understand that it may be impossible with you, but it is possible with God. It is not impossible with God. Nothing is impossible for God. And God can do anything that he wants to do in your life, through your life, and for you. You need to understand that today. I hope you have some faith when you walk out of here today that nothing is impossible with God. Why is that the summation of the entire Christmas story? Because the whole reason God used a virgin, the whole reason he broke 400 years of silence, the whole reason he did what he did was to show his power and to be able to look at people and go, I know you think things are impossible. I know, Zechariah, you're too old to have kids. I know, Elizabeth, you're too old to have kids. I know, Mary, that you haven't even done the having kids thing. I understand all that, but nothing's impossible for God. There's nothing that you'll face that is bigger than God. So I want to talk to you for a few minutes, if you'll give me just a little while today, about three realizations about what it looks like to be used by God. And we're going to pull it out of the Christmas story and this encounter from Mary and the angel Gabriel and, and, and how God uses this unlikely character in the name of Mary, who was a virgin, a child. She was a teenage girl at the time, kind of hanging out in her own way. God used an unlikely character to bring about redemption through the life of Jesus to save and rescue humanity for the rest of eternity. The first realization about being used by God is this. It's only by God's grace and God's power that you are used by God. You gotta grab this, you gotta understand. Watch this, verse 28 through 30 says this. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this is. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Can we just give a little context and can we put ourselves in the story for a minute? Are you good if we take a few minutes and do that? Because I think it makes it come alive for us when we put ourselves. I want you to put yourself in Mary's shoes for a minute. You're hanging out at home. You're by yourself. You're just a teenage girl or boy. You're just hanging out and you're engaged to be married, right? And just think about that. You're sitting at home. You're watching TV. Or maybe you're cleaning or maybe you're making something because you're, you, that's what you do for, for work or whatever, right? You have no value because you're a female, and the only value you have is attached to the man that you marry. 
but you're not quite married yet. You're still, your husband, Joseph, went to go, but he's betrothed to you. Here's what that means. He literally, the betrothal process, I'm going to give it to you in about 20 seconds, means that he goes home to his house and builds on an addition to his father's house to make room for him and his bride. What does Jesus say in Revelation? I go to my father's house and I build rooms for you. And he calls us what? His bride. I don't know if you're catching that, but maybe you will later. But it's a, the Christmas story is, a, is an, a direct correlation and foreshadow of what eternity with God is going to be like. It's what Jesus is doing right now for us. He's building a room for us in heaven. And so we, she's sitting there, and she knows her husband, her fiancé, is building a house. And when he gets back, the house is going to be ready. The room's going to be ready. They're going to go through the marriage process. They're going to be married together, and then they will begin their life together. And she's just doing her thing. And all of a sudden, after 400 years of silence, an angel shows up, interrupts her real housewife show. Right? And hanging out right there, and the angel Gabriel looks at her. Can you just, I want you to picture, now I'm going to add a little, you know, I'm a little dramatic, but let's just add this to it. She's sitting there, an angel shows up. Can you just imagine her going, and him going, and their eyes meet, and they're just looking at each other, and here's his response. It's not like, hey, Mary, it's, hi, favored one. Can we be honest? That'd be a weird greeting. Not just because it's naturally weird, but watch this. She had no value. She wasn't favored. Her value was still connected to her father. And we don't even know what kind of financial situation she was in in that time. We have no idea what kind of value she had because we don't know what kind of value her father had. We know that she was young and she's just sitting there minding her own business. And the angel shows up and goes, you're favored. And he says this, he says, you have found favor with God. Hold on, with who? With God? The man who hasn't spoken in 400 years? Nobody's heard from him? And all of a sudden, after 400 years, you're going to show up to me and go, hey, you found favor with God, even though he hasn't spoken in 400 years. How do you find favor with God? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. You find favor with God through faithfulness. It's not one act. It's not one moment. It's not if you give this amount. It's not if you do that. No, those are blessings and, and the sowing and reaping and all this other stuff. Faithfulness is where you get favor from. So somewhere she was faithful throughout the entire process. So he shows up and he goes, you found favor with God. And she goes, what kind of greeting is this? And he looks at her and goes, don't be afraid, Mary. Why would an angel say don't be afraid? Probably because her face looked at, was looking at him going, I'm afraid. Right? Sure, she was brave. Sure, she had a lot to do, but she was afraid, too. You would be. I would be. Everybody would be. Why? An angel just showed up. After 400 years of silence, he goes, don't be afraid, Mary. In other words, Mary, calm down. I'm sent from God to tell you that you have found favor with God. God wants to do something through you. What is favor? Here's what favor is. Favor is the expression of exponential grace. The expression of of exponential grace. What do I mean by that? It's basically looking at someone and going, you shouldn't do this, but I choose to, for you to do that anyway. It's when I look at my kids and go, you haven't earned this, but I'm going to give you the grace to help you do it anyway. 
And it's the same thing God does to us. See, we have favor whenever God reached down and he grabbed our hands and he pulled us out of the pit of hell. That was exponential grace. It was exponential grace that allowed me to experience the love of God. It's exponential grace that we woke up this morning with breath in our lungs. It is exponential grace that he looks at us and he goes, you have a purpose, you have a promise, and you have an ability inside of you that I want to use. It is exponential grace. Because I don't know about you, but I shouldn't be leading a church. I shouldn't be preaching on this stage. I got a past and I've got things I've done in my life. Not only do I have a past, but every day there are things in my life that I know God is like, let's work this out of you. Why? Because I'm human. And it is only exponential grace that goes, you shouldn't be able to, but because I love you, I'm going to give you the grace to accomplish this. It is only through exponential grace. It is only through favor that the things that used to haunt you, God can heal you from. It is only exponential grace that the pain that you've been through turns into a promise from God. It is only exponential grace that he has brought you out of something in your life into the glorious nature of God. It is only exponential grace in favor that that takes place. And he goes, you have been favored by God. And and I want you to know that God wants to use us. And it's not about us. It's always about him. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, the apostle Paul is writing his second letter to the church of Corinth. And he's talking about, in fact, in verse 6, he says it that he's talking about light that shall shine out of darkness He's talking about the light of Jesus that will shine out of the darkness of the world in our lives. And in verse 7, he makes this statement. He says, but we have this treasure, this treasure being the light that shines out of the darkness. Watch this. In earthen vessels. Do you know what earthen vessels are? Your bodies. He says, we have this treasure inside of our bodies so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. See, I don't know about you, but I feel a lot of pressure when I try to live for myself. When I try to make everything happen myself. Here's what I know. At Radiate Church, we have a lot of amazing people that live really good life. I mean, listen, just this year, there are so many people at Radiate that have won Citizen of the Year and Teacher of the Year and Employee of the Year and all these other things that are happening. And we can be great moral people and do great ethical things and we can be the best that we can be. But I need you to hear me. It is only for the grace of God. It is only by the power and the grace of God. It is not by your morality. It is not by your talent. It is not by your ability. It is only by the love and the grace of God that we are able to do anything that we are able to do on this earth and it is not for our glory it is not for instagram and facebook it is all for the kingdom of god and the glory of god and when we understand that it takes the pressure off it is only the grace of god number one it's only by the grace and power of god number two is god uses available people god uses available people availability you got to hear me when i say this availability is not dependent on your calendar like in, 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 in my term, in my world, I'm, I'm a pretty busy guy. I have a ton of stuff on my calendar all the time, and, and I, I live by my calendar. So if there's something on my calendar that shouldn't be on my calendar, I'm going to end up somewhere I'm not supposed to be. In fact, that happened to me this past week. I was supposed to had something on my calendar that was erased, that, that was canceled, that never got canceled off my calendar, and I showed up. I was like, all right, never mind. And so, like, if somebody wants to have lunch or a meeting with me, I have to go through my calendar. Here's my series. I go through my calendar. If there's nothing on my calendar, I go to my wife. And I'm like, what am I missing? Because I'm sure there's something. 
And if she says, nope, we're good, that's an open spot, then I usually will go to Pastor Travis and some of my staff and go, is there anything going on in the staff that day that's not on the calendar? Nope, we're good, then it gets on my calendar. That's what, how it works. So my time is based on my, avail- my availability is based on the time in my calendar. But spiritually speaking, that's not how availability is. Availability to God is not determined by our comfort. Availability to God is determined by our call. And my call determines my priorities. And so what are you called to do? I don't know what the call of God is on my life. Well, look at the abilities and the talents and the passions and the desires you have in your life. That is your call. And God, God's, our availability is to go, God, I give you all of me. I give you whatever I have. God, when you call, I'm available. God, when you call, I'm here. No matter what else is on my life, no matter what else is on my calendar, because I'm not looking for comfort, I'm chasing call. Here's what I know about my life. I have three priorities that are the number one priorities above anything else in this world. And in this order, this is what they are. My, it is my wife, it is my kids, and it is this church. That's my priorities. Everything else filters through those. If anything um, beneath that filters in to uh, interrupt some of that time of those three, I will usually cut it off. I'll cut it off. Do you know why? Because my availability is determined by my call, not my comfort. And here's what God is asking us to do. He's asking us to go, just be available. When he showed up to Mary, Mary did not look at him and go, no, I'm good. Because no wasn't an option. Why was no not an option? Because she was available. She was available to God. She was open to God. In fact, Howard Hendricks, an old evangelist way back when, says it like this. For us to be used by God, we have to be spiritually fat. Yes, you heard me right. We have to be spiritually fat. Here's what it means. Faithful, available, and teachable. He says, in order to be used by God, you have to be faithful. Mary was faithful. It says she stayed pure. She was a virgin until the day she was married, until the day she gave birth, because she got married somewhere in between that stage. And Joseph decided, I'm going to keep her pure and a virgin until after the birth of Jesus, because the power of God is more important than the desires of man. And he said, I'll keep her. I'll keep her pure. So she was faithful somewhere along. That's why you get favor from God is faithfulness. She was faithful. She was available. No, it wasn't an option. We just talked about that. She didn't look at, the, at Gabriel and be like, you know what? If there's a way to get out of this, like that sure would be awesome. I'm not saying if you say that, you'll forfeit everything. But how can we be available if we're trying to find a way out? That's why I really hate the question. Hey, how close to or, or what can I do and still go to heaven? That's like asking how close to the edge of a cliff can I stand without falling off? And it's, it's, it's just, it's not an available question. It's just how far can I go before I just cross the line and can't get back? We have to be available and then we have to be teachable. Nowhere in the story does Mary look at Gabriel and go, hey, um, here's an idea of how to do this even better. You've, you've faced that in your job, whatever job you have. You've faced that, haven't you? Like, you're, you're, you're training and studying and doing the best you can at your job, and you know those people that always want to tell you how to do your job better because everybody knows how to do your job better than the person that's actually trained to do your job, which is you. Right? Everybody's got an opinion on how to do it. I'm a pastor, and our church is growing, and great things are happening, and lives are changing, and all that, and everybody thinks they can pastor the church way better than the guy that's actually trying to do it every day of his life. I got too personal. Y'all calm down. 
No, it, it, it's a reality. You feel the same emotions. She didn't look at him. She said, okay, you teach me what I need to do in order to make this happen, and we will make it happen. We'll do this. See, it takes being faithful, available, and teachable. God uses available people. And number three, number three is this. God accomplishes his purposes. Can I give you some sobering news? God has no problem with you getting things that are nice. God has no problem with you enjoying money. God has no problem with you enjoying things. God has a big problem when those things become your focus. God has a big problem when those things are your desires. Well, God says that if I, all I have to do is ask, and he'll give me the desires of my heart when our heart is lined up with his desires. Because what I desire is indicative of the faith I have. Like the truth is, is I got to desire what God wants. God always accomplishes his purpose. He doesn't look at Mary and go, hey, Mary, I want to do this through you so that on Instagram, you can be the greatest influencer there's ever been. He doesn't look at her and go, Mary, I want you to have a following that blows everybody. Mary, I want you to do all this crazy, great stuff. And so I'm going to, you know, he says, no. Mary, I want you to carry the savior of the universe, but it ain't about you. It's about saving humanity for all, all time. Because here's what you got to know, and why this is important, is the entire story of Christmas is available and known because all God has ever wanted is to dwell with his people. That's it. That's why I can stand up here and say God's not looking for your perfection. God's not looking for you to be perfect and have it all together. All God has ever wanted, go read Genesis to Revelation to now, all God has ever wanted is to be with his people. And his people just continuously turn his, our backs on him. And he continuously makes a way over and over and over and over and over and over. See, why was Jesus born of a virgin to come to the earth to live for 33 years before he suffocated to death on a cross after a, pierce pierced his, uh, a sword uh, uh, pierced his side? Why? Because he wants to dwell with his people. And somebody had to pay a price for the debt that, of sin that you and I are going to be in so that he could be with his people. That's the story of Christmas. See, God always accomplishes his purpose. And when God wants to do something in the earth, you have to hear this, God wants to do it through people. God always does it through someone. And the beauty is, no matter what your past is, no matter what your present is, and no matter what your future is, I need you to know God wants to do something in the earth with you. He's not looking to leave you by yourself. He's not looking to go, I'm going to do this. I just don't need you. No, he's going, I want to do this and I want you. I want you to be a part of this. I want you to invite people to be a part of this because it's going to impact their lives. I want you to pray for people because I know it's going to impact their life. I want your life to change because it's going to impact you and others. I want your marriage to go from a wreck to everything God said it could be. Why? Because it impacts you and it impacts others and it changes the world. I want to be with you. And that's God's declaration to us. And he uses Mary in this instance for two things. In verses 31 through 33, it says this. It says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Hear this. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, his kingdom, not yours, not mine. 
My kingdom is gonna die one day. My platform will cease to be existent one day. I will not be the pastor of this church for eternity. In fact, I say it like this, I'm the interim pastor. Jesus is the pastor of this church. The truth of the matter is our kingdom will fade. His kingdom, verse 33, his kingdom will have no end. He used Mary to birth Jesus so that he could save others. It's a simple strategy. Mary, carry the gift of Jesus that is going to impact people's eternities from here until eternity. So I want to ask you this. What could you be carrying that God's placed in you that could impact people's eternities forever? What ability, what talent, what invite card have you been holding on to? What prayer? What conversation? What forgiveness? What talent? What ability? Whatever it is, what have you been doing? What are you carrying that God goes, I gave you that because it's going to impact people's eternities forever. Mary carried something that would change other people's lives. And you can write this one down. It's verses 46 through 56. I'm not reading it today. But it's called the Magnificat. And it is Mary's expression after her experience with the angel Gabriel, after she found out what was about to happen in her life, it was her expression of gratitude to God about what was about to take place in her life. And it's amazing to read. Go read it, and you can hear her heart and her joy in the middle of it. But here's the beauty. God used Mary so that he would get the glory. I know that life may be difficult for you right now and very confusing and things may be going on, but God always uses unusual circumstances to show his power and his glory to people that are questioning. If he wasn't born of a virgin, then it wouldn't have been the miraculous story that it is. He used Mary to get the glory. And here's what I want for you today. I don't want you to walk out of here and go, I got it all together. Nobody in this room's got it all together, including your pastor. I don't have it all together. This is not the perfect church. If you're looking for the perfect church, you didn't find it today. Because if this was the perfect church, I would mess it up. Because I'm not perfect. I'm human just like everybody else. You're human, I'm human. We all have these things. But here's what I want you to understand today is that in the midst of our humanity, in the midst of our mess, God goes, come here. Let me embrace you. Do you know why you were created? You were not created to do some specific thing. You were created to be loved by God. It's that easy. You were created to be loved. All he's ever wanted to do is dwell with his people. And we may mess it up, but he always gives a way out. And so today, there's a couple things I want to pray for. Number one, there's some people in the room that you're going to want to give your life to Jesus today. You're going to want to go, listen, man, I, I need a Savior like that that loves me where I'm at, but way too much to leave me there. I need to go on this journey 
of forgiveness with God. I need to go on this journey of forgiveness with Jesus. I need to, my life needs to change. Not because I'm, I'm, I'm just the worst person in the world, but because without him, I am. Without him, I can't be redeemed. Without him, I don't have the love that I could have. And I want to be loved by the Savior. And then I want to pray. And in your seats, I, I, let me explain this for a minute. In your seats, you'll see this. These sitting, sitting around. And on the back, it's got five spots to where we're asking you to invite people to Christmas at Radiate. Let me explain something. I don't do this because I just want to preach to a packed room. If I wanted to do that, I'd go be a motivational speaker and make a whole lot more money and sell my talents to business leaders. I don't do it to pack rooms. I do it because I believe an, impact, an invite can change somebody's eternity forever because an, impact, an invite, sorry, impacted my life forever. And there are hundreds of people sitting in this room right now. There are hundreds of people that were here at 8.30 and there are hundreds of people that will be here at 11.30. There are people sitting in Florence today that are sitting there because somebody invited. And I just want to pray and say, God, whatever we can do to bring people to know you better, help us do that this week. For whoever you want to impact, whoever you want to bring in. Here's what I know. Watch this. Some of you are in town. Some of you came from another church to see your grandkids or your, your, your nieces and nephews and all that stuff. I love that. That's amazing. Take this and invite people to your Christmas services at your church. Because here's what I love about God. This ain't the only place God's working. This isn't the only church God's going to change lives at. There's churches all around this community and other zip codes around us where God is changing lives. Take one of these, write the names down, and go invite them to your church this week to be a part of your Christmas services and watch what God's going to do. Can I just pray with you real quick? I'd love to do that. If you're ready to ask for forgiveness in your life and just say, I need to give my life to God today. I need the forgiveness of Jesus. We have people that are setting up to serve you right after service. But the most important thing you can do is focus in on this moment on God. And I'm going to pray a prayer in this moment. And if you're ready to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, the Bible says, if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that he is Lord, then I shall be saved. If you're ready to do that, I just want to ask you to just pray right where you are in your seat. And when I say amen, I'm going to ask you, if you prayed that prayer, to raise your hand, and here's why. We just want to put a clipboard in your hand, get a little bit of information. We have a value here that we don't do life alone. We do life together. And we want to walk that out with you, answer questions, give you a Bible, some devotional materials, and give you somebody to connect to after your new decision. Let's pray. If you want to give your life to Jesus, just repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my past, I give you my present, and I ask that you redeem my future. Thank you for sacrificing your life on the cross to pay for my sin so that I could have life with you. From this point forward, I wanna live with you and for you. And I want people to know that I know you because I love you. Thank you for making room for me in the family of God today every head bowed and eyes closed I just want to, if you prayed that and you gave your life to Jesus today would you just hold your hand up right where you are and join with people over the past couple of weeks that have done the same so that we can walk this out with you Amen Father God I thank you I thank you for who you are I don't just thank you for what you do but who you are and God for what you've placed in us you will always get the glory and God, I pray that these names, these people that we invite, these invite cards that we're grabbing on the way out today, God, I just pray that you would anoint those and everyone that we give out, 
would impact somebody's eternity and they would join us to hear about the love of Jesus. God, I thank you that you love us right where we are, but too much to leave us there. Help us grow. Help us get better. Help us draw closer to you. Use us so that you can get the glory. God, we love you. We honor you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Can we give it up for some life change in the room today? On your way out today, they're going to be giving out invite cards to Christmas at Radiate. Grab tons of those. Let's pack the place next Sunday for Christmas at Radiate. I love you guys. We got a phrase we say every week. Radiate Church, let's go change the world. Love you guys. We'll see you next week.